This is uh, Streams episode 5 Today is the 9th of January Um, So look I said a while ago That I was gonna um, (laughs) Upload on Sundays But bro Life Life just be life And and that's all there is to it bro So I ain't even gonna lie to you Like I'm done trying to uh, (laughs) Adhere to a day because I'm not in a position to just, you know, do whatever I want, unfortunately, because I have um, responsibilities and things that kind of pull me away from things like this that I prioritize above things like this, even though I really enjoy doing this. I look forward to doing this every week, but sometimes, uh, you know, things just get in the way. So I'm going to stop saying that this is supposed to be on Sunday, and I'm going to just say that I'm going to just do one every week regardless of the day. Sometimes it'll be Sunday. Sometimes it'll be Wednesday. Sometimes it'll be Tuesday, whatever. I don't care. As long as I get it out the way between Sunday and maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. But yeah, what up though, man? I'm Red Karan. This is Streams Episode 5. Um, we are back. I'm a mix engineer, recording engineer extraordinaire. I'm an artist. I'm cold at all that shit. Please, I see, I'm glad that I thought about this in the beginning of the video instead of the very end. Please, right now, before we even get started on what we're talking about, just hit like. Hit subscribe if you're not already subscribed because I need those numbers to go up so YouTube can keep putting me in the algorithm. Something working. I was talking to my cousin before I started doing this and he was telling me consistency is key. Just keep doing that shit regardless. And it's almost like you got to have some sort of regular schedule to like for YouTube to like you or some shit. Like, I don't know. But um, hit the like subscribe, share the video, comment, whatever. You can say anything. Just say LOL in the comments. I just need the numbers to boost so that they can keep throwing me an algorithm. One of my shorts, one of my clips from uh, the last episode, which was about, what was it about? Dookie Warriors, uh, self-care. Um, you know, it's kind of it's got kind of a lot of views, uh, surprisingly. I don't know what it is, but apparently the algorithm's like, it likes being fed on a consistent basis. So I'm going to keep doing that. Um, today, I don't, I'm not even hundred percent sold on my topic and I'm, I'm going to keep doing it that way because I like, I like, um, the natural aesthetic that I have to the show. Like I kind of premeditate the topic sometimes based on what goes on in my week and like what reoccurring themes pop up and what, you know, what, what makes me think throughout the week. But, when I sit in front of this camera, I am not deciding on what I will talk about. So I'll skim my list. But first, just to talk about a little bit of what I've been going through this past week. Um, so I was living with my kid's mom. They're in the background snoring right now. For a few years, a lot of years, five years, I think we lived together. And when we ended up splitting up two years ago, almost three years ago, um, I moved out. But I never moved my stuff out, right? And I kind of just kept it over there because she was staying there. I'm like, you know, it ain't no really no rush. I could, my kids still live there, and uh, where they live between me and her, and I go over there. It's like, you know, my stuff was, it was still safe over there, I guess, quote unquote. And uh, just this past week, she ended up moving out of that home that we shared, um, and I had to get my stuff. 
you know, I had to go get my stuff. Unfortunately, I, it was just, it was something I've been dreading for two years of of the, of the last two years. I've been dreading that, but I finally had to face the music and go empty out all that extra that stuff. It's just like moving is like the worst thing you'll ever do in your life. But I just wanted to talk about like I kind of forgot all the things that I had. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I had been going, living without this stuff for so long, and I threw away a, a lot of things, but. Some of the things that I kept that I cherished that I all I almost forgot that I even had. I just wanted to share on camera. I got some of my vinyls. That's what I'm talking about. I got a lot of my vinyls from over there. I just want to skim through some of these. I got the Malibu, Malibu by uh, Anderson Pop Pack, however you want to say his name. I got Flesh of My Flesh by DMX, and it's funny that I have this on vinyl. Because I don't even really like this album too much. I really, like, the way that I view vinyl, it's almost like, it's just like collecting pieces of art. Because it's about, see, a vinyl, it, it's like an experience. It's not just the music. It's an experience because you have to, you have the art itself, you know, the packaging. Sometimes they fold out into real extravagant packages. But then you have putting the vinyl on the record player, the way that a record sounds versus the way digital music sounds, you know, that crackle of the, of the needle, all of these things. Um, and it's like, it's just bigger. It's like CDs were just so little, but these vinyls are like, you know, you could put these on the wall. They're like pieces of art. That's the way that I view them. So I really value vinyl. Plus they do have a resale, but I don't know if you can see this, the um, see if the camera will focus on. It. I don't know how it works, but the vinyl is like blood splatter, and I think this was a limited press. It was a 15 year anniversary, and they actually did a 25, 20. No, this year would be 25 year anniversary of uh, it's dark and hell is hot. His first album, but um. I feel like I missed the 20-year anniversary of the It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And I didn't even cop that. And that's my favorite DMX album. And, like, probably top three favorite albums of all time. And I didn't even get it. But anyway, I got the Mac soundtrack, which is a movie by one of my favorite artists, Willie Hutch. Willie Hutch worked with Michael Jackson when he was a kid, when he was young. Um, I think he wrote for him and maybe produced for him a little bit. Willie Hutch is a... he's. I don't think he's a Motown artist, but he was a Motown era artist. He probably was on Motown. I don't know for sure, but he's got a long history. He did the Mac. He did Foxy Brown with uh, Pam Greer. I think he did that soundtrack. Willie Hutch is the one that made the song that they sampled in, um, what you call it, uh, International Players Anthem, Outkast, UGK. But this is the soundtrack to the movie, The Mac. Amazing soundtrack, bro. Amazing. This is a gift that I got from my homeboy, Brandon, the chronic on vinyl. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm not even too familiar with this album because when this album came out, I was like, what? Let me see. What's the year on this album? 1992. I was four years old, my nigga. I'm not too familiar with this album, but for one of my birthdays, probably was five years ago at this point, um, Brandon pulled up on me and just gave me this. Like, might have been six, 
seven years ago at this point. I don't know. But piece of art, man. I got some Griselda albums, the Griselda Ghost Collector, Collector Shit. I don't even remember the name of this album. Hall and Nash, Griselda, West Side Gun and Conway right there. I got two copies of this, which is, uh, I think this is called There's God and There's Fly God. Praise both. Two copies of this, and if you see, it is numbered. Hold on, cover my face. It's numbered. I think this is number 35 out of 250 limited press. I had three copies, but I sold one on eBay some years back for a profit. Another copy right there. This right here, I love this. I love the way that this looks on vinyl. I love the photography. I love this album cover. This album was my... This album is when I became a big fan of Cameron, but I had been listening to Cameron before this. But this album, classic, bro. Classic. And I actually have a copy of Damn on vinyl. But I, so I ordered it and it was an autographed copy. And the way that they sent it was one copy has an autograph and this is out of the plastic but they sent you an album in the plastic so that, you know, essentially you wouldn't have to remove your vinyl just to have the copy, the autograph sleeve. So Kendrick Lamar signed this shit. And in the back, I think that's dope how they did the color scheme. And then, and for those of you on audio, you're just going to have to sit through this shit because I'm not separating this. I'm so sorry. And then I got Alfredo, which is um, Freddie Gibbs. Um, classic Him and Alchemist Not only was this album a classic But this um, This album was a classic But this The whole rollout for this album was, was just gorgeous They did I have a comic book Um, They did a comic book It's, it's behind me I don't think I'll pull it out now Because it'll take me a, An awkward amount of time to find it But they did a comic book for that album, and it was like, I don't know how many pages, maybe like a 10-page comic book color with like, you know, it's a comic book style art. So they did a whole little rollout, man. They did, I think they did fake commercials and fake flyers and stuff for the restaurant because it's like Alfredo, you know what I'm saying? And... And this album is, is cold, bro. And this, in between this and Fetty, which is the Currency and Freddie Gibbs album that Alchemist produced, classic shit. Unfortunately, I didn't like Freddie Gibbs' most recent album, which was, um, what was it called? I can't remember. Oh, So, So Separately. Like, it was cool. There was some stuff on there, but it didn't have the same feeling as uh, Alfredo and Fetty. Because it was not Alchemist produced. But anyway, bro, that's enough of that. I just kind of wanted to show off a little bit. But let me look through these lists, through uh, this list of topics. Self-esteem has a lot to do with the partners we choose. Absolutely. Um, a conversation, I was, I, I was on the phone with my dad for like three and a half hours a couple of nights ago. Maybe yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Um... And we were having a conversation 
I called him specifically to remind me of what this quote was. And the quote is, um, the quote is, the quality of service, the quality of your service to others determine what kind of life you will have. He drops a lot of quotes when we talk. He's very wise man, but he's a very, um, his, the way that his mind works is he, he, he loves quotes. So he says a lot of things that are like those, that kind of mantra. And a lot of times I'd be forgetting the, the exact quote, but you know, I had to call him and ask him what, what that was. I don't know if I'll talk about that today. Um, Cheating and adultery. That might be the one, buddy. All right. I think that might be the one. I don't know. Okay. Fuck it. Right now on the fly, this is what we're going to do. So the first topic I read was the self-esteem has a lot to do with the partners we choose. I'm going to fuse that with the cheating and adultery topic because I think they go hand in hand too. So, oh man, this is a lot to unpack for these two. I, I covered in the last video, I said something about, um, I was talking about men who don't take care of themselves and they think it's weak or gay to take care of themselves and things like that. And I talked about taking Taking, I've taken women from men before. And I mentioned that I was not proud of that fact uh, as a man who uh, views things differently and views fidelity differently. And I understand the implications of like adultery and and how that can damage people and how that can damage, um, how it can damage you by, you know, by cheating and by taking someone else's woman and being the, the second man or the second woman, you know, if you, if you're a woman and you're like taking somebody's man, hold on one second. My bad. My son was in there snoring like a grown ass man. I had to go turn him over and close the door. <clears throat> but anyway, so yeah. Being the other man, cheating, being cheated on, all of that stuff is slimy, bro. It's pointless. It's useless. Um, I've done a lot of dirt in my time, right? As a young man, as it wasn't that long ago. I, you know, I'm 34 now. I was in a seven, seven-year relationship. I've done my fair share of dirt. Um, but even before that relationship, I've done things. And it's not so... It's not so fun, you know, you, the whole concept of having your cake and eating it too. And for those of you who still don't understand that saying, the, the point is, okay, say there's a cake and you want the cake. You have the cake in your head. If you eat the cake, you can no longer have the cake. <laughs> Imagine a kid crying about cake. You got the cake. They love the way the cake looks. They love the way the cake smells. And it's like, oh, my God, I really love this cake. And then you eat the cake, and then you start crying because you still want the cake, but you also wanted to eat the cake. That was me. 
in every relationship prior to this. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. In some of those relationships, I felt justified in cheating. But holding yourself accountable looks like even if you feel like you're justified or that you're right, it doesn't change the fact that the action itself was wrong. I've cheated plenty of times. More times than I was even counted, I was even caught, right? But ultimately what I learned as the cheater is that it's not worth it. You hurt yourself more than you hurt the person. And hurting the person was never my goal. But it was... It was almost assumed that cheating would be all benefits, all beneficial, and zero consequential. And boy, is that shit incorrect. Cheating involves a lot of feelings, a lot of things. When you're a cheater, the things that we don't consider being so fucking stupid in our choices is that it almost makes you worry more than it makes your partner worry because you have so many things, so many tracks to cover, lies to uphold, things to corroborate, corroborate, and you need almost you almost need a, a orchestra, a symphony of of cooperators and all kinds of shit, bro. Niggas pulling their friends into the lie, like, tell her I was here for the last four hours. Or, you know, and you have to think about upholding this lie for as long as it, you know, as long as everyone involved can remember. Because then you also have to account for, like, being in situations where you're talking to your girl and you can't slip up and say that, like, oh, yeah, I was, uh, like, I went to the movies just, like, last week. And she, like, you went to the movies last week. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you just let that shit slide. Like, that's such a slimy position to be in, bro. Having to, like, make sure you can't talk about your actual life with a person that you sleep next to every day because you don't want to fuck around and slip up and let her know that you were somewhere you shouldn't have been. Such a shitty position to be in. And it, I swear to God, that shit probably make you lose years off your life. I was talking to somebody that I won't name and I'm not going to air you out and I know you'll be watching this show. But <laughs> he told me he made a decision. He had a baby on his woman and then instead of being a, you know, instead of instead of being like, being avoidant about that, he decided it would be best to tell the truth after the fact. You know, he did what he did. And that's like, that's huge. Just like every step of the way as a cheater, you have a choice. You can tell the truth before you cheat or before you go and do what you do. You can leave and do whatever you want. Or you can hide it. Or you can do it, hide it initially. Develop so much guilt that you can't help but to tell and then tell. 
I made all the wrong choices most of the time in my decisions. No, all of the time. Because the best choice is to just leave. If you're unhappy enough to cheat, just leave. But I've done that. I've failed to do that, I mean. I've stayed in a relationship that I was totally unhappy in for years. And when I mean unhappy, I mean very extremely, severely unhappy. Cheated. Failed to tell them. Then get caught. And then blame them or um, avoid all responsibility for it. It's just a, just a host of fuck shit that I was doing. And what I learned was I suffered more than anyone suffered. You know what I'm saying? The other half of this topic, self-esteem has a lot to do with the partners we choose. I say those two things go hand in hand because speaking from my own personal experiences, um, I would find myself in relationships that were not serving me, that did not make me happy, that were not compatible with the person that I know that I am because my self-esteem was too low for me to think that I could actually get what I deserve or that I deserve what I deserve. You know, think about what I just said. My self-esteem was too low to, to, to think that I deserved to actually what I, to think that I actually deserve what I knew internally that I deserved. Being treated correctly, consistency, Consideration, happiness, knowing that, like, compatibility with a partner is very important. And that goes down to your interests and the way you think and the morals, your moral compass um, as individuals and how they align. The way you the way you two communicate in tandem with each other. All of the, all of those things are huge, right? And I found myself in in two long-term relationships and a lot of relationships in between and during that um I was shortchanging myself because of how I felt about myself. I didn't think that I deserved a woman that was nice to me or a woman that treated me with respect or a woman that would talk to me because I didn't respect myself. I thought what I got is all there could, all I could get is all there was. Like I thought, Man, I, I remember very early on, I was in a relationship when I was from the age of, I think, 19 to 24, right? And I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to any of the women that I'm referring to. But I found myself in that relationship very early in my life, in very young in age, thinking, this is it. 
Like, especially at that age. My self-esteem was so low that I was like, this is the only relationship that I'll probably ever, ever have because I don't know. I don't, I don't really know the logic behind it or what led me to feeling that way, but it was, it was all internal. I remember being 20, 21 in the middle of that relationship, like not really being happy and being like, this, <laughs> this is it. This is all that I, I'll be able to achieve. So I might as well ignore these feelings of being unhappy or wanting something different and just suck it up, you know, and just eat it, be miserable, self-sacrifice. I have the ability to self-sacrifice still to this day in, in a lot of ways. I'm a parent. There's a big one right there. But I don't think that should be something you should do in a relationship, in, in, in the terms that I'm speaking in. Being unhappy and knowing that you're unhappy, wanting something different, and telling yourself, well, you're not good enough to go get that anyway, so who cares? Just be unhappy. You know, I don't think, sorry, I don't think that's a, a good place to be mentally, bro. And I was there for a long time. So as a person with self-esteem for so many years, self-esteem issues for so many years, I still suffer with it, with it a little bit, but not nearly the way that I did over a decade ago or, you know, five, six years ago either. I've changed so much in, the, in my, in the, you know, my perspective about myself. But it, it can lead you down unhealthy down unhealthy paths and into unhealthy relationships because you don't care about yourself enough to go for the things that you know you deserve, meaning the quality of, I mean, even down to the quality of sex that you have, the quality of care that you're given, the quality of connecting that you do with your partner. I was with a partner for a long time that I felt like wouldn't even didn't even want to talk to me. We didn't connect in any intellectual or um, intimate way and you know intimacy isn't just sex intimacy is anything bro the girlfriend that I have now is the best partner I've ever been with and I think that's indicative of the fact that mentally I'm probably in the best space that I've probably been in in my life as far as the way that I relate to myself right I went over her house three nights ago two nights ago and I help her put together her bed that she ordered. And in the middle of us putting together her bed, she looked at me and she said, this is intimate, huh? Like kind of jokingly, but she was serious, but it was like the, her tone was kind of like just a little, you know, just like a little, little remark that she was just making kind of jokingly, but she was serious. Like, this is kind of intimate, huh? Like we were sitting on the floor. She had her music playing through her Bluetooth speaker and we were just kind of vibing. Like we weren't talking. We just was, we, you know, we shared a space, putting together her bed. Something as simple as that. It, it did. It felt intimate. It was like unspoken 
harmony or something. I can't, you know, it it, it might sound kind of corny, but I don't really give a fuck, you know, but it was, it was a, it was a, the fact that she said that when she said it too, because I was kind of thinking it to myself, like, this is a cool little moment that's kind of like unscripted, unplanned, but the way that it felt was like, you know how like if you're in a happy relationship, you don't have to be talking all the time to still be like happy and at peace with like being in their presence. You know, it could go unspoken. You can you could be quiet and be happy with the fact that you're just sharing this space and this moment together. That's what that felt like. It's real sappy shit. Forgive me. But that's what that was. We were just putting the bed together. We were not we're, we're not talking you know, other than just like the little occasional thing, but we were just listening to the music and we were focused on trying to get this shit done because it was fucking 11 p.m. and she had to be up for work at like 5 a.m. So we were like trying to hurry up and at the same time we were sharing this moment together. That is intimacy. You know, me and my girlfriend spend lots of hours on the phone together without even talking sometimes. Sometimes she'll be on her phone scrolling TikTok or Instagram. I'll be on my phone scrolling Reddit, scrolling Instagram, scrolling whatever, reading. And we might not even be talking, but we're present. We're together. We're connected. We're just hanging out because we can't be together physically, so we'll just settle for the phone. That's intimacy. And with her, it's something that doesn't have to, it's it's no effort. It's just like, it comes natural. And we're comfortable enough with each other to just sort of do that without, you know, without the fanfare. We don't need all the extra shit to like enjoy each other or to, it doesn't have to be explained. We don't have to apologize for the silence or none of that. Because we are compatible. We understand each other. A lot better than I've ever understood any any woman, by the way. But coming from relationships where I felt like I wasn't even being talked to or connected with at all, you know, it, it it's in it's 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 reflective of like where where I came from and how far I've come mentally and or how I feel about myself internally. I, I've watched people all of my life. Mostly women choose shitty partners, whether it's their baby daddy or just a boyfriend that they were with momentarily. And I think a lot of times that has to do with the way that they feel about themselves or the way that they, maybe they're fatherless and the way that they relate to men is unhealthy to begin with. Or, um, experiencing past traumas and it's almost like we subconsciously and unconsciously seek more of that trauma. And this this particularly relates to the women that I've known in my life. A lot of women might be assaulted or they might be abused or taken advantage of or manipulated in their past. And subconsciously and unconsciously, they gravitate to partners that might trigger that same emotion, invoke that same feeling in them, 
because it's like being addicted to a drug. So women sometimes might be attracted to men that are emotionally unavailable or emotionally manipulative. It's one of my favorite words, but I stumble over that motherfucker a lot. You know, this shit get deep, boy, because it goes into a a whole network of, like, psychological things that are all connected. And they seemingly are different and separate, but they're not. They're not separate. The way we relate to the world dictates the way that we relate to our partners and the way that we relate to people in general. A person who has been poorly cared for might entertain a group of friends that clearly don't care about them. Because you don't demand more for yourself. It's the same thing with a relationship. I might get with a woman that doesn't care if I ate today, doesn't care if I'm mentally okay. All she cares about is what she can get from me, how she can benefit from me, what kind of money I'm bringing to the table. And I might be okay with that if all I have to offer in my mind is money or service. You know, I watch so many women and and the facts are the facts. More women are like damaged at an early age than men are. We all are. Excuse me. We all go through things, whether it's assault, um, you know, these big words that I'm trying to dance around because of the YouTube. I don't want YouTube to like do something weird with this video, but fuck it, man. Being molested and things like that. That shit can... It does major psychological damage to people in ways that we don't even unpack. You know, I've I've known women that have been assaulted by family members or past partners, um, strangers, and then they go through life almost seeking that trauma again, but they don't know that. So we wonder why sometimes these women get with men that beat them is because maybe they come from homes where that's normal. Doesn't necessarily mean that they were beat, but it could mean that their mother was beat in front of them. Or even if she wasn't beat, maybe she could have been emotionally abused and neglected or emotionally manipulated in front of her, you know. You never know. But these things do dictate the way that we relate to the world, and it's unfortunate. And I think a lot of my self-esteem is used is how I, I mean, I've been through some things, um, but it was all internal, and I know that in hindsight. It looks like my battery's about to die, so I might have to part two this video and stitch it together, but.
I was with partners that, you know, I, I just walked around with this assumption that I don't deserve more than this anyway. So what difference does it make? You know, I'm just going to suffer through this and just marry the first woman I can get because I'll never find another woman to find me attractive or to be interested in me in any real way. That was my assumption. I was incorrect. In the middle of my first relationship, at a very young age. Well, I've had three long-term relationships. But in the middle of my first relationship, or my second relationship, actually, at 19, 20 years old, I was finding that women were attracted to me. And women were drawn to me. And I couldn't believe that shit. Because of how I felt about myself, I'm like, you mean to tell me a motherfucker this pretty like me? Like, I couldn't believe I was able to get the attention that I was able to get back then. And I don't know why, because I look back at pictures of myself, it's like, and then I, what I know about myself from back then, it's not like I was uninteresting or incapable or ugly or none of that. Like, but it didn't matter. The way that I felt at that time, you couldn't convince me otherwise. I, I hated myself, bro. So when I started noticing that, like, big booty women, beautiful women, smart women, women that a bunch of other niggas wanted, wanted me, I'm like, no fucking way. No way. So now... I'm a kid in a candy store. Now, I'm a kid in a candy store. Now, here I am, a nigga that feels terrible about himself, hasn't had a lot of female attention through high school or middle school or none of that. Now, I'm an adult. First time working, so now I got money in my pocket. Got a car. First time being out in the world as an adult. And women like me? Now, I done chose a partner from a standpoint of, like, scarcity. Like, I, I'm like I'm not going to get nobody else, so I might as well just latch on to this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I'm not trying to be funny. It's just the mindset I had back then. And now, in the midst of this relationship, I'm finding that women want me. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, yes. I want it all, nigga. I want every woman that want me because, like I said, when I talked three, two, three episodes ago about when the money make the money can money buy happiness episode. Sometimes when you have a person who ain't never had nothing, get a hold of some money, they go nuts because all they know is not having, and now that they have, they want everything. That was me with women. I'm like, I want everything. Every flavor, dark skin, brown skin, big booty, skinny. I want a big bitch. I want everything. I want an ugly bitch. Man, I, man I, and I had a thing for ugly bitches back then, but that shit is over with now. I'm not going to lie to you. Because ugly bitches was like, man, nasty and freaky. <laughs> but that shit was tied to some self-esteem shit too, for real, but... And there was this girl named Mercedes back when I was, like, in middle school. Oh, my God, that bitch was a freak. 
and she was ugly than a motherfucker. But, but I wanted everything when I when I jumped off the porch and realized that bitches liked me, bro. I didn't know what to do. Like she actually liked me. You know what I'm saying? Like what? I wanted everything. So I operated in relationships with this scarcity mindset. Like, yeah, I'm gonna commit to this woman. But uh, while I'm in this relationship, I don't know how to fight temptation. You know? I don't know, Beyonce. That's a that's an old nigga joke. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't know how to fight no motherfucking temptations. Cause I'm like, I'm in a relationship thinking like. I'm kind of only in this relationship because I don't know what I deserve or I probably can't get nothing else, but then a motherfucker look at you or inbox you a little flirty or LOL a little too hard. And you're like, bitch, you like me? No, nah, I'm cheating because you you just a weasel, bro. You running around like, I want, I want everything, but I ain't going to tell my bitch. And then, but what nobody prepared me for was what that brought. When you cheat, not only are we more than likely too stupid to not get caught, but then when you get caught, you suffer more than your partner suffers. Your partner finds out and then you're faced with this big-ass fucking problem your partner, somebody that you cares about, is now in tears in front of you. And she's livid. And she's screaming and irrational. I mean, justifiably so. Now you gotta defuse you now you gotta defuse this fucking bomb. You gotta figure out how to not let this C4 detonate in your fucking face. And by C4, I mean maybe she'll fuck someone else. Maybe she'll leave you. Maybe she'll kill you. Plenty of niggas right now in the ground because they fucked over their wife. Plenty of niggas. All throughout history. Hundreds of thousands of years or tens of thousands or however long monogamous dominant relationships have been around. Because this monogamy might just be really like a, a, a new concept. But I fucks with monogamy and I'm done trying to pretend that I don't. Because at a young age, I wanted to fuck all the bitches, but I didn't want my bitch to fuck nobody else. <laughs> so it's like, in theory, I was practicing monogamy, but it was selfish monogamy. It was one-sided monogamy. But guess what I found out? You can even find bitches that will do that for you. But you got to find that. You can't force somebody into that. And that leads into a whole other conversation about honesty and communication with your partner and being clear about your intentions and what you want, which is a whole other set of things. So here, this is what we're going to do for the first time. Episode 5 is going to be the first time. I'm going to split this shit off and leave you niggas with a cliffhanger. Because I got so much more shit to talk about as it pertains to this topic. But I'm going to leave it for part two. I think right now we, ah, like 40 minutes in, some shit like that. I don't know. 
trying to keep these episodes kind of bite-sized so it don't be a big, long affair every time I upload. And, you know, I want people to be able to keep their, you know, still go on about your day but have some content. But, yes, being clear about your intentions and communicating with your partner and being honest about what you want can lead you to so much happiness that we don't even understand. But, yeah, we're going to leave that for part two. If you made it this far, please like, share, subscribe. I'm going to cover the second half of this topic next week. I'll see y'all then. Please like, please like, please like. Share this, play this with everybody. Play this for your dumbass homeboy cheating on this girl right now. Play this for anybody. Play this for, um, play this shit over and over again for yourself. Log into your other YouTube accounts and hit the like button and watch that shit from your other YouTube accounts too. I don't know, whatever. Um, I'll see y'all niggas next week. I appreciate the um, I appreciate your, your, your patronage. Never with the young shit niggas was quick to call me lame. When tables turning, bridges burn, it's all the same. And now we all the age and niggas call me for that game. The ones you talk down is your big homies now. Depending on the day, might find that shit on me now.